Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. If this is your first time here and you receive some value from the show, please do us a favor and leave us a review at the end. Let us know how we're doing. Tell us if you love it or if you uh, think we could do better. We want to we hear from you. So I do want to take a moment to talk about our private Facebook group, our mastermind group that we have called The Profit Club. We've created a community to help contractors put profit back into their P&L. If that's something you're interested in, hop on over to our website at hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about systematizing your business. I wish right now you could just hear like system of the down, uh, you know, just come cranking in right now, some just heavy riffs on guitar. That would be perfect right now, but I, I, I don't think we can get away with it. So that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I agree. System of the down. So once you sing it for us, like do it. <laughs> it'd be bad, dude. It'd be real bad. But give me a guitar, and you might feel a different story. Listen, I don't know what is it about you, Brad, but apparently all of our peers think you're the the Mister Systems guy. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you've systematized your business and how you're constantly, you know, looking at systems? This might be like a four hour podcast. I love talking about systems. <laughs> I want to give you the Cliff Notes version of it, yeah, that's just to spare spare the listeners. So they'd be going to sleep here in probably in about ten minutes. No, listen, I uh, one of my first official businesses that I started was actually a computer networking business. Out of the military, out of the Marines, I went to a local community college, got a certificate program type thing in information technology, got A plus certified that I could build and repair computers. I mean, we were learning like Windows 3.1 and how to manually change the IRQ settings on the computer. If you know what I'm talking about, then uh, that kind of dates how old I am. So I started a business building computers and that stuff. So I've always been in technology and uh, I ended up going and working for a um, telecommunications company. And they were one of the first companies in the world that offered telephone, cable, and internet as as a package, cable modems, if you uh, remember what that is when they first started. But uh, that was the new technology. So I was like one of two out of 20-something people that had enough computer background whenever we would go install these computer modems in people's homes. like they didn't, Nobody knew how to hook them up because you had to go in and change the network settings in the computer and you know, deal with all this stuff. That's a long story of basically saying that I've had a computer background and I've always seen what computers have done for technology and for the advancement of businesses, right? The internet, the fact that you and I are talking right now is all technology based. So that is the computer version of systems. And I just, I love systems. I love technology in that capacity. And uh, being in the military, they have systems. Everything is systematized, you know, how you wear your equipment, 
where you put your uh, med pack. Like everybody has their med pack on the same place on their belts or on their or on their kit. The reason is you get into a firefight, your buddy gets shot, you go over there, you always take the med pack off the person that gets hit, not your you don't use your own, you use theirs and you know that it's always on the left side of their belt or wherever it's at, right? So systems has been driven into my head for like most of my adult life. And uh, that's the the long-winded version of I love systems. Well, so you're talking about technology. So they're systematizing your business with technology and through technology, and then there's just systems. And then, you know, we all have systems, whether you're on a computer or not. I mean, you talked about you didn't have a computer tell you where to put the pack. It was your drill sergeant. It was like in a manual or something, right? So there's there's two different technologies there. To date myself, my systems started on paper. Like you cut a tree down, it hits the ground, you turn it into paper, you get a feather out of a bird and you dip it in the ink and you, you know, like, so there's, there's me dating it, but we all have systems. And I, I know technology is where you've, you know, I'd like to say you specialize in where you, where all your passions at systematizing with technology where I'm still like, I still like some paper. I still love tape paper. Like you, your system for taking notes and your daily affirmations and all that stuff's on a tablet, right? It's technology based and you could, send it to the moon and back and into your wife's phone on the tasks that you wanted to do. It is. It is. However, it's interesting that you say that because I still like writing on paper. I like the feel of writing on paper. I like that whole aspect of it. That's why what I use is is a Remarkable tablet. It's not an advertisement for Remarkable. We're not officially sponsored by uh, Remarkable yet. yet. Not yet. Yet. Yeah, hit us up. But the reason I got that was because it's literally the closest thing to writing on paper that you can get. It does feel like paper. And here's the reason why. I systematize this. So I would write all my notes in a notepad, right, for a call. Like say I'm talking to a customer. I'm taking notes down on a piece of paper. I get done. And then I'm going to go out and meet with them a week later or whatever it is, a few days later. And I get out there and I left the stupid paper on my desk. Well, you had a bad right. system. It should have been in a folder. And it should have been in your backpack, in your briefcase. It should have been in your car. You had bad systems, bro. That, that's true. You, I you agree had with bad you. Bad paper not, systems. But not anymore because everything I write down is on my tablet. And my because of this is connected to the internet, I have all that information anywhere I go. So I fixed that system. I got you speechless. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's like the first time ever. Eric is speechless. No, I, I, that's happened before. On I, I just I didn't have anything good to say. My mom always said, "If there's you don't have anything good to say, just be quiet." <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's different types of systems, and this is one of the things that we want. I want to talk about today. There are people systems, right? The way you deal with people. There are technology softwares you use to run your business. There's SOPs, manuals of how you do things. So there there are all different types of systems, for sure. So currently I'm I'm going from paper system to digital, right? And, um, you know, I did my research. I've, I, of course, consulted with you on some things of where I should land. And, you know, it, it's interesting because from what I can tell, you're constantly looking for this newest system, something that's going to change, you know, the way you do things and maybe encompass more, you know. And, and you know, unless you could write your own programs and apps and everything, it's not going to totally tailor what you need. And, I mean, I, I think those words have come out of your mouth. So that's why you have this... CRM 
plan and then you have the remarkable thing and then you have, you know, Jobber, but you don't want Jobber anymore because this. So it's like you're constantly moving those systems around. And there's there's definitely some fun to that, which I think you you know, you're magnetized to, you like to do that kind of stuff. For me, I don't want to, I don't want to screw around with that shit. That, that shit just bothers me and call it the learning curve or, you know, attention deficit or whatever you want to call it. It just, I, I don't have time for some of that stuff. I still love my old paper. I want to talk to you about my paper system that I did that I tailored to my business uh, over 25 years ago that I still love today. Love it. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. But look, when I started my business, it was all on paper. I had my leads. When I got a new lead, it was on a three by five note card. And I would write it down, started off just writing it down. And then I put it into this box that had a filing system. And then I had cards made up that had their name, address, email, whatever information I wanted. I had cards made up. So I've never stopped developing the system. Yeah. You know, if I, if I come up with a form, let's say I, I create a form for a certain type of service I'm going to offer. Let's just say gutter guards because we, we sell and install gutter guards. So I'll create a, a process form for gutter guards, right? Well, I'll use it for a two weeks, a month, whatever, and realize, oh, I really need to have this extra information. I really need to find out like if it's a one or two story house because I didn't have that on there before. So I go back and I change that form and I add the two stories on there. How many stories is it? And I use it for another month or two and I realize, oh, I should have put on there what color, whatever it is. I'm just making stuff up. But what color is the, gu- the gutters? Are they white? Are they clay? Whatever. I'll go in there and I add that. And so I'm just, I'm constantly updating this stuff. And after six months or a year, I may be on the eighth revision. Sure. Yeah. So that's creating the system, the paper, and then refining the system as you go. So there is no, you're not going to wake up and be like, I want to create a system. And then by the end of the day, you have the perfect system to run your business. Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen. A lot of this comes down to scaling and scalability and all that stuff. And I'm sure we're going to dive into that. But let's just say you have a business and you have one customer a week with one phone call and you go and take care of that customer and then you're done by the end of the week. You don't need any notepads. You don't need like, you don't, you don't need any of that stuff. You don't like, they're like, Hey, you, they could give you verbal directions, like in the desert, go down to the third you know, street, dirt road, make a left at the saguaro cactus and you find it because you don't really need much. There's not a whole lot going on, but then it's, you know, a person a day and then it's, you know, five people a day. And then it's like, Hey, you need another guy. And then it's like, Hey, you know, the directions, I don't remember how to get to their house. What do I need to bring? And so that's, that's where the systems start to become more important. Right. I mean, if you really look at it, that's how it develops. Yeah. The need drives the system for sure. Yeah. Like when you first start out, you have that one a week. I mean, yeah, you could literally just have a, you know, college bound spiral notebook and you just write everything down in there and you get your schedule in there and everything. And that's all you need. Right. Fast forward five years and you're getting 20 leads a day, managing two crews and all the payment and all that. There's no way you could do it out of a spiral notebook. Yeah. I mean, that's where it comes down to, because even, you know, my paper system that I'd be using for 25 years was great for, you know, up to five, six, seven guys. And then then all of a sudden you're you're finding some redundancy in paperwork and like this should there's got to be a faster way to do this. And that's when you start to lean into technology. And for me, it took a lot longer for me to want to lean into technology than you, because, again, you're magnetized to that stuff. Well, here's the thing. 
technology, specifically technology, but when it applies to systems, technology is a force multiplier. So what you can do by yourself, answering the phone, taking notes, doing work orders, all this stuff, right? You can only do X, right? You can only do, let's just say you can only do 20 orders a week because you have to manually type out all this stuff, right? Now you get a system, a computer technology system, a software. Now what took you an entire week to produce 20 work orders, you can now do in one day and do the exact same amount of work. So it's a force multiplier. It actually allows you to do more stuff in half the time or less. That's why technology and systems, in my opinion, are so important. For sure. And and I definitely see that's why I'm leaning into some technology systems, but I still, and I I am embracing it. I want to be better. And it's definitely made me faster. Some of the systems that I've put in place with technology and so forth. I mean, just having an iPhone alone was a system. It's like, Hey, I don't need directions anymore. That, that part is, that's not a, a, it's no problem anymore. I don't have to call anybody. I don't have to have a booklet under my seat. It's just touch and go. So there, there's a new system for getting directions. It's over, right? But there's other things that are tailored specifically to my business. And since my business is so niche, it's not really super scalable. Like electricians might have a certain calculator or contractors have a certain calculator and an app, and that's the systems for them finding their stuff. So since mine's very niche, you know, my paper system that, like you said, hey, I did it. And then eight months later, it's, I'm on, you know, a year later, I'm on eighth revision. So imagine 25 years, I've got this all like perfectly refined paper. And how do I get that into technology, into a app, right? And that's not really possible because my mine's so niche that, you know, we don't want to put the money into that because there wouldn't be enough people that would support that effort, if that makes sense. I disagree hundred percent. Well. You're not in my shoes. You know, mine are only 10s. I know you're wearing like a size 14, so you can't ever fit into my shoes. <laughs> so like, you know, like it's just what it is. I hear this a lot, Eric, and I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to say you're old. I am. you are. But generally older people are the ones that don't like to embrace technology. I'm embracing it. They're, no, I know, but I mean fully embrace it, like diving head deep into it, like in, in loving it. Like you're doing it. You're embracing it. But you're also like, you got your hand on the kitchen sink and somebody's trying to pull you out. And you're like, no, I want to hold on. Like, you're, that's kind of how you're embracing it. <laughs> well, again, it's, it's, I haven't found the way, like the technology that I have is not, it's not, I don't, I'm not going to get 10 apps to solve my, you know, one folder work for each client that I have. You know, it's like, it's frustrating. And then, oh, I know it's frustrating. And then I got to train, you know, 10, 12, 14 people on that. You know, it needs to be more simple than that. I mean, I, I do listen, a pawn guy, a pawn service guy is pretty niche compared to a lot of the service companies that are available out there. Yeah, well, listen, I, I as you mentioned before, I use Jobber, which is, and again, this isn't like uh, advertisements for we all the different software. are not officially software. sponsored by Jobber yet. Yet. <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> no, look, I, I use Jobber for like six years because it was the best thing that I found. And then I got frustrated with, there were so many gaps like you're talking about, like it, I wanted to do this one feature and it doesn't do that. I get frustrated and frustrated, frustrated. So I'm using, and Jobber was created for landscaping and lawn care companies. That's what it was created for. I'm using another one now 
that's created for the heating and air industry. Has nothing to do with remodel or handyman. However, the reason I went with that is because it had the most features that I wanted for what I was trying to do. There's still things I hate about it. There's still things I get frustrated about. But it was like a step up in terms of providing more things that I needed to grow my business. So here's my problem with it. So first of all, implementations meant, you know, critical, right? I have a a buddy of mine that's kind of in, in my same niche, if you will. And he loves Jobber and he runs everything off of Jobber. He like, it's, it's, it's the best things in spice bread to him. So he's, he lives there, but I, I feel like there's some gaps that I'd like to fill up if I, if I could, you know, put it in that regard. But so my implementation, I've been on Jobber for, I don't know what, five, six months. And it's, we're not even fully, you know, it's not even completely hundred percent implemented. We're getting better at it, but I imagine we'll be, why not? Well, cause I got 14 people I'm trying to train and it's just, you know, and we're still trying to manage the business and run and still take the information from the old data from a thousand folders. And, you know, unless I had someone just sitting there, so we're trying to implement it. It's like, it just takes a little time. Plus, you know, all the other coaching that I'm doing and so forth. It's not like I can just stop my business, press pause, you know, spend a week and figure it out. That's what I would actually tell people to do. If someone asked me my, you know, they came to me and said, Hey, I, I want, what's the best way to implement a new system? I would say, shut down your business for two, three days, whatever it takes and fully implement it. Because if you try to do it over time, you will drag it out for six months. You will drag it out for a year or you'll just never fully do it. And you'll get frustrated and cancel it and go back to your old ways. Well, we are dealing with living animals and crazy customers. So, you know, to shut the, shut our business down for three days is not going to work to implement it. I mean, first, first, like the upper management's working to have it implemented so they can even train our people, you know, so there's that kind of thing. And so I honestly don't know that I could just shut my business down for three days, unless it was like between Christmas and New Year's and just... Plus, you need you need the action. Okay, go out to the job site, get it done. You know, put the stuff in there, get it tabulated, send it over to you know the person who's going to send out billing. You have to be active. You have to be in action. I think to really, I, I can't see how to implement this without getting in and using it day to day. Yeah, well, I don't want to get into like how you got to implement stuff. But, but but that is part of that's part of the problem. That's part of the hangup. That's why the absolutely. old guys are going to go like, oh, wait a minute, I got my hand on the kitchen sink. I don't want to give it up. So it is part. I mean, implementation is part of systematizing your business, technology or paper or whatever. Yeah. So what I would say is you have to have the desire to want to systematize your business. If you don't want to systematize your business, then it's it's probably not going to work at all. It's the same thing with having a learning mentality, you know, having a desire to learn and and get better on a journey to self-mastery. So, you know, we have to learn stuff. We buy a new tool, it comes out, they come out with a multi-tool. It's just the new revolutionary, you know, cutting tool. And you have to like learn how to use it. I mean, I'm not saying it takes days or weeks, but you know, it may take you 45 minutes to an hour to figure out how to use it effectively. So anytime we're doing something new, we have to learn it. And there's, if, if you don't like learning that you're just going to be frustrated the whole time. And if you don't like technology, you're just going to be frustrated the whole time. Well, there's a couple of things happening here. So let's say we're in fabrication, we're in manufacturing. I could shut down my manufacturing plant for a week. I could do that. I don't have living animals and I could get in front of production and we have seasonal cyclical movements and we could we could shut down for a week and implement a new system 
with a CNC table that, that you know, we got to get used to the computers and get used to the system and how the tables work and all this stuff. That That's, I can see how that would be. But to manage invoicing and scheduling and employees and, and clock in, clock out, and, and that's kind of the system that I'm, you know, just wake up and put on my boxing gloves every day at the moment in my, the moment in time of the recording of this podcast. So there's a couple of different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. I get it. I would probably have done it differently than if I was running your business and I don't know what all the different like positions that you have are, but I would, what I would probably have done is I would have picked one, whether it's a, a project manager or account manager or some kind of manager of some sort, I would have said, okay, Chris, you're going to take tomorrow off for the next two days off and you're going to learn how to do this system from the management's perspective. And then I would, after he learns that, then I would pick one of my teams. I got team A, team B, then I would implement team A, like team A, you're going to implement this. And I I mean, I would slowly phase it in, Mm -hmm. but I would do it like that. I would break it up. So you don't have to shut down completely. Yeah. We've kind of taken that approach, but that's still, I'm still six months in, you know, technically five, but. But this is this is interesting though because this is what people do. It's like I don't have time. I don't have time. I can't shut down. I can't put my business on pause. But what's happening is that you know over a long period of time, you're actually it's actually costing you more money. It's it's lost opportunity cost because it's taken longer to fully implement. That you know all that time savings by using technology, you would have recouped that longer earlier. I mean, you would have recouped that earlier on if you were able to fully implement it sooner. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, but I mean, to give it perspective, it's I'm using a couple different programs. I'm using estimating program and the Jobber program and yep. QuickBooks Online. So there's a lot of moving parts. But I mean, let, let's talk about the basics of systematizing a business. It's certainly easier if you're a one man show and you kind of sure. got things going and like you want to create the systems. And if, if I could do it all over again, I would have all the systems in place and then I would hire an employee and go, here's my systems. There's a stand, standard operating procedure right there. Absolutely. But that's not what most people do. Well, clearly, I mean, that's, yeah. So, you know, I would say the first system when you, if you start, like, let's just say you're a carpenter and you decide I'm going to start my own business. Probably the first system you want to do is you want to get your tool bag or tool belt in order, right? I like my hammer to be in the same spot everywhere. I like my screwdriver to be in the same spot and all my chisels and all that stuff. I want them to be in the same spot so that every time I go into my bag or my tool belt, it's always there. I'm not spending a minute looking for it, right? That's a system. Yeah. You've created a system of tool storage. Yeah, most craftsmen That's do like that. A, yeah, and that, and well, yeah, most craftsmen. Yeah, most craftsmen do <laughs> not, that. Not, not most people in the trades. <laughs> not most contractors, not most construction yeah. workers. Most craftsmen do that. Yeah. When I was doing um, telecommunications, I was a service technician for the cable company. I had my own van and we were able to take it home. Like we could take our, home, our vans home and, at, for night. I would work, I would organize my van. Like I literally knew where every fitting, every single thing, scotch lock, all the tools that we use, I knew where every single thing in that van was. So if I was up on a ladder working on a line and a guy was coming over, I would say, hey, Eric, go in my van, open the side door, second shelf down, pull it out, first tray on the left. There's some scotch locks in there. Grab three of them for me. Yeah, that's how it should be. Absolutely. Then you go to Lowe's and you see these trucks parked out there that have 4,000 receipts on their dashboards and cups and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything else. McDonald's bags and shit. McDonald's bags. And you look in the tailgate and they have, you know, 
two by fours on the bottom and they got tools stacked on top of that and they got tarps on top of that and they got you know there's sawzalls on i mean it's just crazy like i i literally get like anxiety when i see that i'm like how in the hell do you work how can you work out of your truck yeah it's crazy they say that's a sign of genius though well i guess i'm smart then <laughs> no the the guys who have the mcdonald's bags on their on, oh yeah. Having a messy, having a messy desk because you're supposed to sign a genius. Well, that must that maybe I'm dumb then. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> okay. and just just for the record, we are not officially sponsored by Lowe's or McDonald's yet, <laughs> but hit us up. <laughs> We're trying to get as many sponsorships out of this one podcast that we possibly can. That's ridiculous, huh? So, listen, my system. First of all, systems started. You want you know when they started? Like the real the system theory, 1940s. So it's actually younger than you think. You know, you think it goes way back farther than that. But the system theory started in the 40s. You're talking about Ford, Henry Ford? No, it's it just before oh. Ford. But then shortly thereafter, of course, Kaizen, mytho- you know, Kaizen theories and all that stuff went over to Japan after the wars and stuff like that. So it's a little bit, it's, it's a quite a bit younger than you think. And the technology aspect of it is even younger than that. You know, 10 years, maybe 12 years as far as being on your phone and apps and stuff. Of course, there's computer stuff for systems and so forth. But like the way you're talking about, you were on Jobber for six years. I mean, Jobber is probably only six years old or maybe seven. It probably wasn't that old when you got started. It was pretty new. Yeah. It was pretty. I mean, they yeah. they act, they literally implementing ideas that I had. I was like, you guys need to do this and they implemented. Right. So. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like this whole philosophy, you act like this has been going on forever and old guys like me are holding on to the fence, fighting it tooth and nail, spitting at people. It's it's not the case. It's still a pretty young thing. And so I, I'm going to challenge you on that, Eric. I want to challenge you on that. As if I didn't know. Do you think when they built the pyramids that it was just mass chaos and they didn't have any systems whatsoever to do that? Dude, you, you can't. I'm not going to argue with you about that. That's clear and simple. There was a system to get that kind of stuff done when the aliens came down and built the pyramids, they knew what the hell they were doing, bro. But the, listen. Well, what what systems are you talking about in the 40s? Like in what business, type of systems? B- are you business specifically. So could, like you can think about okay. military. Military is going to date way, way, way back. But business systems is what we're talking about. Systematizing your business happened around the 40s. And that's when it really became the, the philosophy and the theory came out. I don't remember the guy's name. But I think he's French. Some long, crazy name. But you can look it up. You can you can challenge me there. What specifically? I, I believe you. I don't know like the history of when it started. What what specifically did they create? Like what was the whole theory behind? The, it? Well, the theory behind it is you know things have to go in order, and if you miss a step, you mess up the entire system, and and then you're not going to get the end result. You're not going to get the same product. You're not going to get the same efficiencies. And I I think again I didn't dive into it much, but it's it's definitely tied to manufacturing. And I that shortly thereafter you had the, the Kaizen theory, and we went over and helped Japan and you know, all of a sudden Toyota's like the top manufacturers and stuff like that. So Yamaha and all that stuff. So, you know, the the point I'm getting at is for business specifically, the way people run it. And, you know, in today's age, you got, you have to know the internet is having a big effect on it. And the internet's still pretty dang young and then apps and cell phones even younger. So geez, let's put it into perspective. It's, we're we're just getting started. Uh, Well, I would agree with that. You know, and one of the problems of technology is that it because it changes. And this is like one of my Achilles heels. It really is. My office manager, like several months ago, she's like, "Okay, you're not allowed to get a new system (laughs) 
<laughs> because like every week I'm like, Hey, we need to try this new system. We got this new software. We got to try this app. We got to do this. We got to do that. And truthfully, I'm just trying to find something that works. You know what I mean? Because I'm frustrated, but I, I do need to take a step back off, often and just say, you know what? It Yes, it's not a hundred percent, but it's going to get us, you know, to the next milestone, maybe a year or whatever it is until something does come better. That, that truly changes it and makes a, a, a huge percentage jump. You know, my problem is like, I want to switch softwares to get a 5% gain in production. And that's probably not great. I mean, that's not necessarily a good thing to do, but if you can make a 30 or 40% jump in production by implementing a system, you, you need to take a hard look at that for sure. It sounds, yeah. it sounds like you're on the Gitmo, Gitmo spot right there for your systems. I have to, I do that a lot. I, I, yeah. I seriously do that. I'm like, I want to, I mean, I don't want to tell you this because we just started implementing a new system today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell Michelle, I'm going to call She her. was the one. No, I had her looking at oh, it. Shoot. So why would someone want to implement systems? To scale, to scale the business is, is probably the, the most logical way and to avoid some frustration. So even if you didn't want to scale a lot, but you were like, you were scaling your yourself for personal growth and you you got so much going on you couldn't manage it yourself without slowing down you'd want to sometime somehow systematize it so just like like the simple like you don't look up addresses anymore you just touch the person's name and you get right to their doorstep the Siri tells you how to get there so there's a simple spot right there but if you really want to scale you want to run a 14 person crew a 28 person crew if you want to go from you know, 1.5 million to 5 million, you're going to have to change the way you do things and have systems in place. I, I mean, I would say that you don't even have to be that much. I mean, that's one of the things that I did wrong in my business is I did spend money on systems early on that I didn't need to, and it, it did hurt my cash flow. So it did prolong a lot of growth because I was trying to implement too much, you know, too many systems and, and uh, just paying for stuff. So a lot of it was purposely done and I knew that, but looking back on it, I probably could have uh, waited a year, two years, three years before I fully implemented everything. And I would have had a little extra cash flow during the early on years. But what I see often, very rarely do I run across someone who like over systematizes their business or spends too much. Like I'm probably one of the few that probably spends way too much money on systems. but most of the time they don't have any systems. They're literally waking up every day, reacting to the day. You know, they, they go to the shop. They're like, okay, what tools do I need today? Let's see. I'm doing this job. I'm probably going to need this tool and this tool and this and this and this. Let's load them up in the truck. We go work for seven hours. We come back. We got to unload everything because, you know, we don't have anywhere to keep the tools overnight. We don't want to get stolen or rained on. So, you know, that right there, like you're losing an hour a day of production or you're, it's causing you to work nine or 10 hour days because in order to get an eight hours of fillable time, you're working nine, 10 hours of, you know, load up and tear down and all that stuff. And I see that a lot. And that stuff can be avoided completely by, you know, a little bit of systematizing how you do things, you know, whether it's buying a trailer, right? Yeah. You buy a trailer and you load your tools in your trailer, you just created a better system than loading them up every day. 
Yeah, I mean, I like talking about this. This part of systems is really fun to me. Get the right tools, get it set up in your truck right, all that stuff. The technology part is is always that part. And and here's the thing. I know companies that were scaling so fast, they hired out. They were writing SOPs. And then by the time they were finished, they'd already changed the way they ran their business. And they had to literally throw that SOP in the trash and start over again. And then by the time it was finished, they were already evolved and moved on. And that wasn't so like there's there's a really interesting spot right there where systems have to be you have to be able to move and and groove fast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never it's it's not a once and done thing. It always changes. It always changes. The the tools part of it's fun because I remember back when I was just a single, you know, single solopreneur running out doing service and I got my tools perfect and then I'd hire someone and then then I'd have to teach them and then they'd screw it up and then I'd get mad at them and you know and then imagine having you know five six seven guys and it's like how come the screwdriver can't be in the same spot every time I just don't understand it it drives me crazy yeah absolutely you know it's interesting because there's different types of personalities right there's different types of management styles there's different types of businessmen whatever you want to call it. I, I'm in a Facebook group, a free Facebook group for handyman. And there's a guy in there a couple of weeks ago, he posted a picture of a new van, uh, like a Ford transit type van. And he had the back open and it had metal, you know, uh, parts bins in there. It was a, it was called a Ranger system. It's just a particular brand of racking van racking systems. And I was curious and I commented on his post and I said, and he's like, this is number 17, 18's coming along. Now he's, he owns a handyman business and he's like on his 17th vehicle. Okay. And I said, how do you like the Ranger shelving? Because I was curious, like that's, yeah. I, I maybe want to invest in, he goes, what are you talking about? I said, there's shelving in your van. It's made by Ranger. Oh, I had no idea. That's just what they put in there when I buy the van. <laughs> well, so he didn't he doesn't care about that. Yeah. Like he's not looking at it like from a, an efficiency standpoint or a you know working out of the vehicle standpoint. All he cares about is the revenue of generating another putting another vehicle on the road and putting the guy in the vehicle. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Maybe Rangers not way. maybe Rangers not branding as well as they could. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying like and that's you know it doesn't matter what brand it is, but his focus is not on producing uh, making a vehicle that's going to be easy to work out of. Like for me, it's important. Sure. I've, I've shown, I've sent you videos, you know, I bought a, a, a transit van last year to a second van. And, uh, you know, I was doing custom, I, I was going to buy metal racking because I'm like, I don't want to spend the time building these out because every time I buy a new van, I'm going to have to build them out. Yeah. Whereas if I just buy metal racking, it's easy because it is easy. But then I started thinking about it more and more and more and more. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to be what we want. It's not, it's every time we work out of that van, it's going to be, uh, we're going to settle. You know what I mean? We're going to have toolboxes that don't fit in the rack and there's crap on the ground. It's rattling and banging all over the place and you got to move stuff out of the way. So my OCD-ness and my recovering perfectionism, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I went and had custom metal you know, racking made for my DeWalt boxes. So the point of it is, is that you can't overdo it, but you can also underdo it. 
Like, sure, you can have a van that has racking that works, but the guy working out of that van, you may not give a crap because you're the owner and you're not working out of that van. But the craftsman that you hire that's working out of that van, he may care. He may want something better. And if he has to deal with that frustration every day of piling through crap and not having stuff where he wants, eventually he's going to quit. Yeah, that's why you got to stay on top of your crews. And, and you know, we, we don't want guys not be able to find their screwdriver. It gets frustrating to them at some point, you know, right? When they want to get it done timely and maybe hit a bonus and they can't find the screwdriver, you got to get them tight. I mean, you know, when when my truck and trailer leave the ranch and they're headed to a job site, you know, it's it's a $100,000 rig driving down the street with, you know, the the four by diesel truck with four doors and the, and the big tool trailer with all the racks and, the, and a bobcat inside of it. It's like, there's a lot of money when I get to a job site and I'm like, Hey, I need a two inch MPT, you know, send the apprentice to get it. And they're like, Hey, we, we, we don't have any in the trailer. Oh, I about lose my face. Like there's a hundred thousand dollar rig yeah. sitting in the driveway. You don't have a $2 part, you know? So yeah, those, those are part of the systems and that, that system would be like, Hey, someone missed the, the part of the system where you restock and stuff like that. So yeah, that's exactly right. You got to have us. We've, and we've even created systems like that where we've taken a, a laminated piece of paper or a laminated sheet and hung it up in the van. And it's like, dude, if you're on a job site and use the last screw, write it on that piece of paper. Hey, we're out of screws. That way, when you get back to the shop, you get out, you see it right there. We're out of screws. Now, we may have some in the shop or we may need to go to the store and buy some more. So that's a system. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just literally a laminated sheet with a dry erase marker on it. Let's talk about the system that could probably change, I, I would say, like the most important system I have for my business. Let's hear it. Sales system. The way I talk to me, uh, customers, the way I communicate, the way I answer phone calls. I think that once once you kind of get the gist of it and you got your crew figuring out how to put mail pipe adapters in the spot where they need to be and you have a scheduling system kind of worked out. I, th I think the most, the massive impact you can have on your business is systematizing the way you communicate with your customers in a discovery sales call. If only there was a sales system out there that allowed you to do that, Eric. <laughs> uh, you just thought we were going to talk about technology the whole time. I want to talk about sales. Because there is a system for sales. And when you when you implement, you know, the right way to communicate with your customers and and ask the correct questions, calibrated questions and active listening, that's when you have enough money because you're doing better in business to actually implement these technologies and the CNC tables and the, the trailers where you can put all the tools. That's when the magic starts to happen is when you systematize your sales. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, not only that, does it save up? I mean, once you learn how to systematize that and and uh, I don't want to say shortcut the process because you're not shortcutting it, you're making it better. But in a sense, it's shortcutting the time that you're spending. When you do that, it like totally, it's a game changer. When you free up 10 to 15 hours a week of your time selling jobs, now you could spend that extra 10 hours, you know, implementing Jobber. You could spend that extra time uh, writing out a SOP or whatever it is. Like that in and of itself is more valuable than actually selling the job, in my opinion, because time is the most precious thing we have. Yeah, what about just spending time with the family or going horseback riding or, you know, going to a competitive shooting match or, you know, trimming on a bonsai tree? Something fun that you love to do. Dude, I, 
a friend of mine owns a landscaping company and I don't know if he listens or not. I wish he would, but like three years ago I was talking to him and I was like, dude, you need to, you need to get on Jobber. You need to like get something. And he, and I sent him a referral code so I can get a free month, you know, and all that stuff. And they joined and they used it for about two months and then quit. And I said, what'd you quit for? I just didn't have time. Like literally what you said, I didn't have time to really get into it and implement it. So I just really, that was code for, I didn't want to learn how to do something new. And I talked to him last Sunday. This is important. I talked to him last Sunday and uh, he was at his shop is right down for mine. And I, and I ran into him and he's like, man, we are so busy. I went and looked at 30 jobs this last week. Oh my gosh. What is that like? That's I said like 40, 50 hours time. I said, you, you went and looked at 30 jobs. He's like, yeah, I had to tell my wife, like, honey, you just gotta, you gotta schedule these further out because I can't do, you know, 10 a day. And I just like, it literally just blew my mind. Yeah. Well, this is good because, listen, the, the the breaking point for me to get into Jobber was because I knew I was double entering a lot of things. and I knew I could shorten things and save time. And uh, probably about, I would say, f- over 15 years ago, I started part of my system for communicating with the customers. If they wanted me to come out, I would say, you know, hey, we have a design consultation for that. You know, like for me, you know, being a landscape visionary and putting water in people's yards, like it's kind of easy to get away with that artsy fartsy kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm a designer for, you know, give me 150, I'll come to your place and we'll talk business. But that was part of my system 15 years ago is charging people to come to their home. And, um, you know, part of the discovery call that we, you know, do and the, the profit sales system that we're talking about from Hammer and Grind is setting up the system where you figure out what, how you can help the customer you share some investment numbers with them over the phone, make sure they're committed, go out and do a, you know, figure out any objections you might run into. And then, then you have a conversation about coming out to their home and actually getting paid for your time and asking for the sale. I mean, all that, all that is part of our system. Yeah. But Eric, that sounds great and all, but I don't have time to implement a new sales process. Well, I know you're, you're trying to trigger me here. You're trying to set me up for a little tea, but Listen, part of it is like I knew immediately at some point that this your your landscape buddy, he, he should know like he's running out of time at this point. It's part of a paradigm shift he has to realize. And that's another podcast I want to do is the paradigm shift for sales paradigm. You know, you know, they, I knew that I was doing so much double entry that I had to shorten that so I didn't have to do as much. I could save time. And I didn't realize just how much time I would save on my sales stuff. I mean, just by implementing it's part of your system saying, Hey, it's 150 bucks for me to come out and sit down in your home and kind of just work this stuff out. You know, just that part of the system helped give me more time. Right. And kind of push the tire kickers out. But then, then it became sexier. There's a better way to even do it in, you know, doing our role plays and practicing with each other like we do that made it even better. And so this guy running out doing 30 visits in a week is outrageous. I'm, I wonder what his closing rate is. Yeah, he says it's pretty high. Uh, I think it's because he doesn't charge quite as, you know, charge enough. But I, he's the type of guy that always complains about being too busy, but, you know, doesn't want to pay his guys, you know, good wages. So he has high turnover rate and high training. He, it's um, a lot of training. You got to train them. A lot of training, high turnover. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's all together. Yeah. And so I just don't think he's one of those guys that's like, I want to make as much money as I can. And so I cheat the business so I can put more money in my pocket and cheat the employees. You know what I'm talking about? Cheat the employees. Yeah. The problem is now he's cheating his family because he's not, he's not spending time at home because he's always out on the road giving free estimates. 
Yeah. And I've told him about that. I was like, dude, you need to at least, at least start charging for estimates. If you want to go out there, that's fine. That's, that's your business, but the heck charge for them at least. Oh, I could never do that. Well, cause then, <laughs> then the closing rate goes up too, you know, cause you, you get the guys that would be on the fence, you know, off your plate and you, you'd kick them out. Listen, if no one's ever heard about the profit sales system and had no idea, like, can you explain our system, you know, like in a nutshell, like you pick up the phone, what, what is the system? Yeah, I mean, basically what we do is we ask for pictures so we can have an understanding of what's at least what we're looking at. And they don't have to be detailed pictures. We don't need to have 27 pictures from every angle. It's just one to four pictures, depending on what it is. We get some pictures. We we schedule a phone call with them. We talk through that. We have a, a four-step sales process where we discover what's important to them, You know what's motivating them, why they want to do this. That allows us to get an idea of what they're wanting done, then we can give them kind of a, a ballpark estimate based on the pictures. And the purpose of that is is just to figure out what their budget is, right? We always say we give our number to get their number. We're not trying to do exact estimates over the phone. I mean, that, that wouldn't be smart to do that. Although there are some things that you can do that over the phone. And I do it in my business. But generally, it's not like a big project. It's not a it's not going to be a twenty, thirty, eighty thousand dollar project, but we we give them the number so that we can get their budget. We talk about any objections that they may have, and then we can try to get a commitment out of them, all while on the phone. And these calls can take anywhere from uh, seven minutes to forty five minutes, depending on what it is. But I would say the average is probably about twenty minutes for a, a phone call. And I don't know if you heard from one of the guys in our group, I think it was yesterday he had this call. He said he was on the phone for seven minutes. He was timing it. Seven minutes. And it was a, you know, 80,000 to 100,000 plus project, a remodel. And he said after seven minutes, he can kind of tell that the guy was a straight shooter, just wanted to get to the point. And he said, you know what it, it, you seem like you're a straight shooter. Would it make sense if I just kind of share with you what a project like this or what we can do? And the guy said, yep. And he said, well, why don't we just set up a uh, consultation? It's 1500 bucks. The guy said, all right, let's do it. And so in, in literally in less than seven minutes, he set up a consultation, a $1,500 consultation to go bid on a job or, or to give an estimate on a job for a $80,000 to $100,000 plus job. Yeah, it's outrageous. A seven, a seven minute phone call. But meanwhile, your friend's like, okay, well, when can I come out? Oh, let's schedule a date. And I'll come, I'll drive out to your place and we'll walk. And see, some, sometimes part of our system is like getting that budget out, sharing our number to get their number. Budget's kind of out in the air. That way, when you get to your, when you get to the place, there's not that tension involved. We kind of break through all that stuff. Our system allows, uh, you know, allows you to get there more comfortable. And if you're getting, even if you're like, well, I'm not sure if this guy wants to buy or not. At least if you're getting paid for your your time to be on location, the consultation, the whole setup, it's like, you're not like all tense. Like, I, I got to get this job. I hope they don't say no. You're like, you're like, if they say no, who cares? I got paid for my time and my drive and my my time away from my family. It's like that whole scenario changes your whole perspective. Well, and the, the profit sell system is designed to reveal that stuff. It's designed to reveal if they're tire kicking. It's designed to reveal if they're just trying to get a budget number because they actually want to do the project next year and they need to save up money in order to do the project. It's designed to reveal 
what their timeline is. It's designed to reveal all this information that you need to know on the phone so that you can see, one, if you can service them, and then two, if it's a good fit, right? It, for this both is of all you. designed to yeah, do for this. Both for you. both yeah. of you. Yeah. I mean, you, they might not be a good fit for our company. They just might not be, you know? Or you might not be a good fit for what they yeah, want. And you've got to figure that over the phone so you don't waste the time. I mean, part of our discovery calls, it, we, we get into the five W's. And we, we get into the five W's all by asking, you know, specific calibrated questions, you know, the who, what, where, when, and why. Because if you only get three of the W's, you think you got it all locked and loaded and you race out to the person's house and you miss one of the W's, you get punched in the face on location. And instead of spending time with your family at dinner, you know, you're bleeding from the nose of the fat lip. Yep. And after you do that a few times, you're like, you know what? I don't think that I want to do this anymore. <laughs> I just, I wonder how many. I don't want to get punched in the face. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like maybe let's say he sells 60% of his jobs. You know, maybe he's coming home selling 20 out of those 30 or something like that, you know. And maybe those 20 wins make him, you know, maybe the bruises and kicks, you know, from those 10 L's that he took. Aren't, they're not that bad. But the problem is all of a sudden his seven-year-old boy is going to be graduating and have a girlfriend and just want the keys to the truck, dad. And, you know, and you lose that magic time with your family. And so that's what I love about our sales system and the system that we have created around the way we talk to our customers and the way we sell. And not only, not, I shouldn't say the way we sell, the way we help people buy. That's really what we do. Yeah. And we, and we uncover what's important for them and then we can tap into their emotions. It's totally different guys. If, I mean, if you came into our group and started learning the stuff, it would probably shock you. I mean, literally shock you how different it is. How, you know, we learn how to talk. We teach people how to talk to customers, how to listen to the customer, how to hear what they want, how to how to understand what's important to them because you know, we joke around and we say that, you know, a lot of times contractors like to throw up all over the customer, right? Mm -hmm. You start asking them a question and, and, and we go, you know, they may say, well, you know, how do you, how can you know how much it's going to cost? Well, I, I've been doing this for 20 years and, and, you know, I'm a, a better business bureau, a plus plus rated uh, contractor. And uh, I'm the, I, I won the house uh, best contractor of the, of the year, the last three years in a row. And I got high reviews. And I mean, then we just go down this, you know, down our uh, pedigree of everything that we have. And the customer doesn't give a crap about that. All they want to know they already is, know. are you, well, they may, they may have, they probably already social proofed yeah. you. But what I'm saying is they want to know is that when you come there, you're not going to act inappropriate around their 13 year old daughter. Like, cause that's what's important to them. Right. Yeah. They had a bad experience with another contractor where a guy said some inappropriate things and now they're scared to death of contractors. There's butt cracks hanging out while he's bent over doing the plumbing. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying like, that's what they care about. They don't care about your pedigree. They want to know that you're going to come in there and treat their house with respect and do what they want. And then when you start understanding that, you can literally change your entire business. Let's button this up, Brad. Systems, you know, I, I think that this was a pretty comprehensive deal, you know, talking about when it began for business and technology and, you know, maybe some implementation, all those particular things. I think it's all fun for craftsmen to have their tools all perfect, 
you know, and buy the new tools and get the vans with the special cutout. All, all that stuff's important. But I think once you have all that in place, I think the most important thing you can do is systematize the way you talk to people, the way you help your customers buy from you. And um, why don't you tell everyone, unless you have any final thoughts you want to uh, talk about, I'd love for you to just tell everyone how they can, you know, learn more about our system. I do have a final thought and then I'll close it out with, or at least let them know where they can learn more. But I want to challenge everyone listening tomorrow or the next today, today or tomorrow, within 24 hours of listening to this, I want you to identify one thing in your business that drives you nuts. Just one thing. And it can be super easy, super simple. I just want you to find one thing that drives you nuts or is a complete time waster or causes a time waster. Like you always forget whenever you do this type of work, you always forget to get this tool out of your house or wherever, whatever you're doing. But I want you to identify one thing and put a system, you know, it can literally just be a checklist. Just figure out a system to solve that problem. Just one. It'd take you probably five minutes. And then you'll start to get some momentum because when you see that little thing, you know, get a little bit better, you know, save yourself some time. Uh, then before you know it, you're going to be jumping on hammerandcrying.com to find out about the sales system. Yeah. So the profit sales system that we're talking about, it, you can find more information about it at our website, hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club, or just go to hammerandgrind.com and click on the profit club. Now, I will say that we don't necessarily have a description of what the sales system entails on our website, but we teach that within our profit club, which is a private mastermind community that you have to pay that access to. So, but you can learn more about that on our website, hammerandgrind.com, the profit club. Well said, Brad, I'm going to take us home unless you have something else. That's it. Take it out. Take us out of here. Thank you so much for lending us your attention and your ears today. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you're picking up some information that you're going to implement into your business, it would mean the world to us. If you give us a review, you subscribe to the podcast and of course, smash that five-star rating. It helps us uh, position the podcast with the masses. So if you want to know more, again, you can hit us up at hammerandgrind.com. Click on the Profit Club uh, on the menu at the top. You can find more about the private Facebook group. And, of course, you can always hit us up on uh, Instagram and Facebook, Hammer and Grind Podcast. Catch you on the next download.